Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you again. Good morning. Uh, let's see, December. Yes, midway. Yeah, your bells ringing in the background. So. Right, we are getting started right into the start of December, the last month of the year. But um, students have a few more weeks of school, and then they'll be off for the winter break, and we'll be getting back to the second semester in January. That's right. Two more weeks, huh? Yeah, yeah. But this time, it's perfect that we're talking about. We're still talking about punishment. You know, here we are, uh, right. another episode on on punishment, but. And we're talking about misbehavior. And again, this time of year, um, both at home and at school, we're seeing a lot of behavior from kids because everybody's excited about the about the winter break and the upcoming holidays and everything. And so you always see a little bit of of an uptick in um, challenging behavior. But so it, it's fitting that we're still talking about this. But today we're going to talk a little bit more about misbehavior. Uh, mm -hmm. Last week we talked about punishment and we talked about consequences in particular. Right. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about misbehavior. Right. And misbehavior, we, we typically put it in, we typically put M-I-S into parentheses mm -hmm. because um, misbehavior is really just behavior. Right. And we need, to, we need to think of it as this is a child trying to get her needs met. Um, we call it misbehavior, but they may not intend it as misbehavior. Uh, right. they, they're just trying to get their needs met. So we, we typically put the MIS in parentheses to remind ourselves that misbehavior is just behavior. Right. But when we talk about managing undesirable behaviors, I guess that may be a better way of thinking about it is that these are undesirable behaviors. We have to think of it in two acts, two large phases right. when we think about it. Act one is what kids, what we are, what our parental responsibilities are from birth to about age 12. And I say about age 12, because we're talking about puberty and or middle school. Right. Because I think that the sharp line is when they get to high school. Right. But, but before that, it's puberty and or middle school. The second act is from middle school to age 18. So roughly age 12 or 13 to age 18. Right. And from birth to 12, we encourage parents to use what we call attachment parenting, right. where you stay close to your children and you're involved closely with your children and you're providing them with lots of support and assistance and guidance because you have certain things that you need to accomplish in children from birth to age 12. Right. Yeah. And, and we, we sort of ended the last episode talking about this because, you know, we have we start out with the attachment parenting and then by the time about the time that they reach puberty or, or middle school, as you said, mm -hmm. um, then we're going to shift to something that we're referring to as detachment parenting. Right. Um, but yeah, during that attachment parenting, what our main job as parents are is, is to support and to encourage them, the, the development of the skills necessary for independence. That's right. You know, because in the second Right. The remember the goal is to, you know, by the time they're getting into middle and certainly by high school, mm -hmm. is that the kid has enough skills to be able to manage most of the things that they need to manage on their own. That's right. And and I think we've lulled, uh, we've all gotten lulled into this false sense of childhood. By the time kids are 15, 16, 17 years old, they really should be functioning pretty independently at that point. Um, right. And so the preparation for them to do that has to begin 
prior to age 12 or 13. So we're going to use these these years from birth to 12 to get them ready to take to take responsibility to take full responsibility for their lives. Okay? Right. Um, it's also this this first period is also the time where we build the bonds of mutual trust and respect um, that we're supportive of that they know that we're supportive of them. We set clear but expandable boundaries. Um, The the boundaries have to be clear, but remember that kids are growing and maturing and developing, so the boundary has to move as they develop. Okay, so that's what we mean by expandable. Um, They have to be, these are the years when kids become competent. Right. Okay, this is, when you think of um, elementary school kids, this is when they start music, they start band, they start sports you know, Little League, Pop War, all these, it's the beginnings of becoming competent at whatever they're going to become competent in. So they need our support. We have to drive them there, for example. Right. We right. have to pay the, the bills. Um, it's also the time when the kids should be learning that they have to take care of their responsibilities before they have fun. Right. And that's going to be an important thing that we're going to talk about again in just a few minutes. That's right. And then the other thing is, they have to develop emotional regulation by age eight. Right. They should be able to control their emotions and work through things by the end of third grade. And they also, we also, as parents, have to give them the opportunity to fail once in a while so that they learn how to handle failure and handle disappointment. All these things should happen during um, preschool, kindergarten, and elementary school. So, right. so that's our task as parents is to um, create the situation where kids are supported, but yet we have the beginnings of them becoming independent and self-regulating. Right. And so then by the time they reach um, puberty or, or middle school, um, our, our role as parents shift and we get into, we, we become uh, more of a detached uh, parental style. Right. Um, so with the attachment, there's a lot of that support. You know, you, I think the most common word you said and all that that you, you just mentioned was supportive. We're, we're there to support them, to encourage them to, to be there if they, if they fall, if they have struggles or anything like that. Certainly now by the time they're reaching puberty and then into, you know, working towards that transition to adulthood, mm-hmm. our, our, our goal shifts mm-hmm. and, we, we aren't as involved. That's um, right. We have to give them some of the control, uh, you know, to, to manage things. Think about, you know, your 16 year old, mm-hmm. um, you know, how many times Richard have we met, you know, 14, 15, or maybe even 16 year olds. And they don't have the skills they need to be behind the wheel of a, you know, 2000 pound vehicle. Right. Exactly. But that's, but that's their goal is, you know, by the time they're 16, they want to have their driver's license, but they, right. you know, they can't even, you know, walk around in a grocery store by themselves. <laughs> right. Um, right. You know, you're going to, you're going to hand them the keys to, to this to the car. You're not going to be there. They're right. going to, they're going to drive away from you. Okay. So you need to get them ready for that level of responsibility. Right. You know, you can't keep doing all the work for them and managing their lives and then say, Oh, okay, here's the car, go do whatever you're going to do. And I'm not going to be there. Right. And it doesn't suddenly happen like magically um, overnight. It's like, these these are skills that they have to build. Right. And that's our obligation is that so that you have this very clear goal that by age 16 or 17, you're not going to be sitting beside them anymore. Right. 
And, and so you need to give up some of that control that you had when they were in fourth or fifth, uh, third, fourth or fifth grade. Right. Absolutely. And then the other thing is that many parents forget is that during these teenage years, you have to transition from an adult child relationship to an adult adult relationship. Because remember by 18, you're dealing with an adult legally, you're dealing with an adult. And right. so you have to begin that preparation. Now, you know, you can't treat a 16 year old like you treat a 10 year old, right? Because a 16 year old is very close to being an adult. Right. Yeah. And so that the nature of that entire relationship has to shift. Mm-hmm. And we're not saying that you're, you're treating them as an equal or that you're right. treating That's them right. as mm-hmm. a friend or anything like that. You're, you're treating them mm-hmm. with the, with the, and I hate using this word, but it's the only word that comes to my mind with the respect that you would at another adult. You I, know? Th- I think that's the right word to use. I mean, if you want your, you're now dealing with somebody who's almost an adult. If you don't treat them with respect, they're not going to treat you with respect. Right. I'm sorry. That's just what you're dealing with with a teenager. Right. Um, they're, they're very close to leaving. And they want to be treated with some respect. They want some control of their lives. It's Mm -hmm. what it defines. It defines what a teenager is. And you have to be willing to give up some control. And parents will often say, well, what if he did? Well, then you deal with what if. But if he's going to fail, if he's going to fail a class, if he's going to get in trouble, if he's going to have legal problems, the time to do it is now, not after age 18. Right. Have these problems while you're there to support them, right. not 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 do all the work for them and then send them on their own, unequipped to deal with real life. Absolutely. So now as we've talked about, so this this shift, you know, the the our, our role as parents in the first 12 or so years of their life and then how it shifts through puberty and, and through adolescence um, and as they transition into adulthood, you know, we talked about all these things that kids have to develop and have to learn and the, the roles that we, that we play as, as the parents, one of the things that we did not say, and, and we didn't say intentionally is that is the child's is our responsibility as parents to ensure that our kids make straight A's right. or that our kids are uh, star athletes. We, we, di- we didn't say that because that's not, we have to be mindful that that's not our goal. Um, we want our kids to do well. We want our kids to perform well. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, I know that we've learned, um, you know, <laughs> Richard and I, we, we, I know we, we talk a lot. Um, and the things that we've learned as, as both parents and, and therapists and all over the years is that parents, we did, and parents spend so much time focusing on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. We put so much emphasis on on one piece of child development that we miss so many of the other things that are important in child development. That's right. And to develop a a child, remember, our our primary responsibility as parents is to raise good humans, um, good people who are going to develop into healthy, you know, competent adults. One of the things we, we have to be mindful of is that we have to develop the entire child not just their academics or not just their athletic competence. We have to develop a, a, a whole child. And That's we have right. To, we have to think about everything. That's right. And we, we can't, you know, this, this talk, the, today's podcast is about managing misbehavior. And we haven't even, we, we haven't 
you, you think we haven't talked about it yet, but for us, managing misbehavior begins with managing behavior. Right. All, all behavior is all the things that kids should be doing to develop into complete human beings. Absolutely. And when we talk about complete, we're talking about motor development, language development, academic development, cognitive development, but also social and emotional development. Okay. So your job as a parent is to take this child and develop all those areas. Right. So when I hear parents say, well, honey, your only job is to go to school and get good grades. No, that's just one aspect. This one. That's just one responsibility that you and this child have. Okay. You can't ignore all the other stuff. So, so to manage misbehavior begins by managing behavior. So we want to talk about that first. And that's, that's what we're talking about is let's, let's put the emphasis back on developing this entire child. Right. Yeah. Because what, what inevitably happens is that parents will say that, well, they're, the, the parents that tend to say their only job is to go to school and make good grades. Right. Are the parents of the kids who, who aren't making good grades, you know, <laughs> Right. You know, they're, they're struggling. And so the parents are focused in on that, that one aspect. Mm -hmm. But what happens oftentimes is that when the kid is making good grades, but they're making all of these other bad decisions because they don't have the social emotional development. They don't have, you know, the competence to handle, you know, schedules and routines because somebody else is managing it for them. Right. The parent. Um, then the parent says, well, you know, he's making good grades, but He's he's having meltdowns all the time. He can't handle it if something doesn't go the way that he expects it to go. He's you know, he, I can't get him off his video games. Yeah, he gets his homework done and everything. But all he does, he doesn't do anything else around the house. He doesn't right. help out with anything. If we ask him to go to the store with us or we tell him that we have to do something, he, he has, a you know, an hour long meltdown. So, you yeah, you did a great job of, of making sure that the kid goes to school and makes A's. But you didn't develop any of these other areas of the kid's life. That's right. And how often do you ask kids? They'll come in and, and I'll say, well, what do you do besides go to school? Yeah. Say, nothing. They're not involved in any other activities. They don't have any real responsibility. They're not expected to do chores. They just go to school. Mm -hmm. And that simply isn't enough. I mean, right. you're, you're not managing behavior or misbehavior if you're just focused on one thing, if you're right. just focused on one or two, even one or two things, okay? Because a child is this bundle of four or five things and right. you have to be attending to all of them. So managing misbehavior is managing behavior and managing behavior is trying to find this very, we call it a balancing act. There's this balancing act where we're searching for the Goldilocks address, the Goldilocks place where we get parenting just right. And what do we mean by that? There, at each stage of development, there's a place where you have this balance between setting appropriate limits right. on their behavior, but encouraging age-appropriate development. Right. Okay? And when you think of managing children's behavior or misbehavior, you need to think of it, first of all, at each stage of development, but also as this balancing act between how much pressure, how much control, how much limiting do I need to do? And at the same time, allow them to develop all of their abilities. Okay? Right. Yeah. And so 
let's, and I think it will be important for us to kind of go through this developmentally and, and give some examples of, of where this falls, because again, you know, depending on the age of the child, when the, when the parents come to our office, these are, these are the issues that we are working with them. So, you know, and let's start at the beginning, infancy, birth to about one years of one year of age, you know, the, the big dilemma that parents seem to have at this stage is what do you do with a crying baby? Right. That's you know, right. The, the, the goal, remember the goal during this stage of development is to help the child regulate. They, they need to be able to self-soothe, mm-hmm. you know? So when they're upset, they need to be able to calm themselves down. Right. Now with the idea, and we've said this so many times on previous episodes of the podcast, you can't spoil an infant. You right. know, you have infantile amnesia. You have lots of, there's lots of factors that go into this. They just don't have the cognitive skills to manipulate you. Right. So right. a child, uh, an infant, a, a eight month old is not crying just to make you come get them. Mm-hmm. They're crying because they have some need that needs to be met. Correct. Now that need um, could be because they're hungry. It could be because they're wet. It could be because um, they don't feel well. It could be lots of different reasons. Right. And most parents figure out the different types of crying. I mean, that's, that's their method of communication. Right. Uh, they figure out the different types of crying. But the goal is to help the child self-soothe. And that's we can right. either follow one method, which um, encourages parents to, in essence, let the child cry it out. Right. Or on the other end, we, you know, as soon as the baby starts to whimper a little bit, you're running in and you're picking them up and you're doing everything for them. Those are the two extremes. Mm-hmm. That's Holy the balancing act. Right. That's right. That's the balancing act that we're talking about. So on the one hand, you have to make sure that their needs are met, that they're dry and full. And, you know, so but at the other hand, you have to give them the opportunity to learn how to calm themselves. You don't want to have to be there for every nighttime awakening. You want the child to develop the ability to self-soothe, okay? Mm-hmm. So you have this balancing act and that's the Goldilocks place. You, you have to get that right, okay? But it's a balancing act, okay? And that occurs at every stage of development. Right. We, we, we do it again during the terrible twos and threes. Right. We have, this, we have the same kind of balancing act. Um, at that stage, it's the, it's the beginning of their declaration of independence. You know, mm-hmm. two and three-year-olds start to say no. Right. And, and as we've often said, no doesn't, no simply means I can do it myself, right? Mm-hmm. The Elmo doll. Um, so now we have um, the balancing act is between them developing their independence, but, but doing it safely. Right. Okay, yes, we want them to develop their independence, but no, you have to do this this way I and mean, you have to right. function here. Um, and so what, what, what our goal is, is, Yes, there has to be some external control, but not so much control that they don't develop, that they don't start to develop some independence. Right. And then we go into toddlers. Right. Three to five. And, and it's this, it's very similar here because, you know, the goal here is we're trying to get them ready for kindergarten. Right. You're balancing between, again, some of that autonomy and some of that, um, you know, independence while at the same time being able to you know, understand that they need to clean up their mess, that somebody's not going to come up behind them and take care of everything for them, that they can 
take um, direction from somebody who's not a parent, um, that they can play well with other kids. So you have this balancing act of, um, you know, parents have to make sure that the kid knows that they're loved and cared for, but at the same time know that they're also not really the center of the universe and that other kids have needs and that other people will ask them and require them to do things that they may not want to necessarily do. Right. That's right. So at this stage, these preschoolers from three to five, our goal as a parent is to get them ready for kindergarten. So, right. so that, so we spend a couple of years working very hard every day to get them ready for kindergarten so that they're able to function on their own. Now, if we're giving up some control, if we're saying to them, clean up your own messes, they're not going to clean up their messes the way an adult cleans up a mess. Okay. Right. So, so age appropriate developmental abilities, we have to allow them, we have to give up some control so that they can develop some level of independence. Right. Now in doing that, they're going to make mistakes and they're going to fall short, but that's not misbehavior. Right. That's learning how to do it on their own. Okay. Right. So that's why we talk about be careful of what you're labeling misbehavior because right. they are, they're going to resist. They're going to become defiant. They're going to do all those things because pushing them toward independence is going to create these reactions from them. But, right. but we have to be careful not to overreact to their reactions. Our goal has to be getting them ready. Right. Now, in the early elementary school years, now we have a balancing act that's a little bit different. Right. Now the balancing right. act is between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. You know, we, we have this expectation that kids are going to want to, to do their chores, that they're going right. to want to do some of these this work, mm-hmm. it, but they're going to, it's going to require some extrinsic motivation. But at the same time, we can't create situations where the only reason the kid is doing something is because he's going to get a treat for it. Right. right. You know, it, it's, it, 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 you know, you want to pull your hair out sometimes when, you know, you hear parents say, well, if you go to school today, we'll go to Walmart afterwards and I'll get you a toy. Well, no, going to school is an obligation that he has. You don't, you don't, you're not, you don't get a reward. You don't get a toy. Right. Because you're meeting the obligation that, because where does that end? Mm-hmm. That's right. We, we have some, some, um, some kids that we work with. They're called horror stories. Right. They're called horror stories. Yeah. We'll never forget them because it got to that point with some, some kids where there was nothing that the parent could buy right. that would get the kid to go to school because mm-hmm. that was set up during these early years because right. I've never developed any intrinsic motivation to do any of these things. And everything was dependent upon extrinsic motivation. And so you have to find a balance between those two things. That's right. One of the most important things that parents can do is to move their child toward intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. These kids have to want to do things on their own. And if you're const- if, if they don't develop intrinsic motivation sometime during elementary school, it's going to be very difficult to create it after that. So mm-hmm. your, your focus during elementary school is to give kids uh, the opportunity uh, of developing intrinsic motivation. Kindergarten, first and second graders are usually motivated. I mean, those early years of school, they're excited about. By third grade, that starts to come to an end. Uh, they're, they're less intrinsically motivated by third or fourth grade. So your parenting has to shift because by the end of third grade, 
They should be reading at grade level. They should have all of their speech sounds. But most importantly, they should be able to manage their schooling. Right. They should know where the belongings are. They should know where their shoes are. They should know what assignments they have. Right. They should be able to organize by the end of third grade. Right. And parents are still doing that for middle school and high school students. Right. That should be done by third grade. So you have, there's so much to do during these elementary school years. And, and that's where the focus should be, is getting your children to be competent by the end of third or fourth grade. Because remember, when they go to middle school, all the support is going to come to an end. Right. Now the teachers are just going to assume that they can do it themselves. Right. And again, we're not talking about making straight A's. No, we're just talking about being able to manage those obligations Mm -hmm. because, and you said by the end of third grade um, that they need to have these skills. And that's because for those last few years of elementary school, they have to, kids have to make a decision for themselves. That's right. They, they make, this is where we tend to see this, kids making the decision whether or not school is important to them. That's right. right. And if school is not important to them, you know, um, there's a, there's the conflict that uh, Erickson talked about, right? Industry versus inferiority. That's right. And, and either they're going to see themselves as somebody who's competent that can produce and create and, and can, you know, meet the expectations just along with everybody else. Or they're going to see themselves as inferior to others. Right. They're going to see themselves right. as, uh, as incapable, that it's not important, that they can't do anything about, you know, whatever's going on in their life. And so it's our response, you know, our job as parents to help ensure that they have those skills so that when they get into the, you know, these latter last two years of elementary school, that they are able to handle failure, that they're able to handle work that's too hard, but endure and keep working on it. Mm-hmm. Again, that's part of that intrinsic motivation. Um, because, you know, this is a lot of parents will say we don't want them to be quitters. Right. We don't want them to just throw their hands up and say, I can't do it and, and right. see themselves as incapable. Um, they have to have that sense of industry. That's right. And that develops in elementary school. Okay. Right. And Bernie, wouldn't I think it's safe to say that you can see kids beginning to shut down, turn off during elementary school, they're not going to turn back on in middle school. Right. Okay. They're going to stay. So this is the time when you have to create circumstances that um, result in the development of intrinsic motivation. Somehow these kids have got to develop enough of an interest in school that they're willing to do it on their own. And if they don't, what parents will do is they'll start to manage their kids' schoolwork. Well, that's exactly the wrong thing to do because now you're you're taking on their responsibility. Right. And and what we should be doing is giving the responsibility back to them because those middle school teachers are going to assume that the child can take the responsibility. Right. Right. So so now as we get into middle school, you know, about 12 um, and up to about 16 or so. Right. As parents, you know, we have to accept their that independence, that declaration of independence, as we said a moment ago. But the balancing act now is, are they kids or are they adults? <laughs> and, and, and that is, man, a lot of parents really struggle with that balancing act mm-hmm. because how many times, so many, so often they say, you know, the parents will hold them accountable for things because they're 
adults, you know, you know what, you're a teenager now, you should be able to do these things. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, treat them like children by having these different restrictions and limitations and, you know, coddling and different things like that by, by doing all this stuff for them. Well, they're not going to be independent and be capable of, as you said a minute ago, taking the keys at 16 to be able to drive this 2000 pound vehicle. Right. um, They're not going to be able to be responsible enough to do that. If they're not responsible enough to say, I have homework tonight. (laughs) That's right. That's right. right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. It's funny when you put it that way, but you're, you're right. I mean, yeah, I think the most confusing time for parents and teenagers is the first couple of years of, of the early teen years, yeah. 13 to 14 or 15. Those are the most difficult time because kids have got to start to become self-sufficient and independent and trustworthy. But that's not going to happen if you start to shut them down. Right. If you start to control, if you want complete control again, how much control do you you need because if you think you if you desire to have complete control of an early teenager 13 14 15 you're going to limit the ability for that teenager to be able to function independently Mm -hmm. so they go through this search for identity their sexual identity their athletic identity their academic identity and they're going to struggle with that stuff Okay, let them struggle. Let mm-hmm. them become whatever they're going to become. Don't try to predetermine, oh, you have to be this. Right. That's the only option. The option is whatever they're going to decide. Right. And we have to start to get out of the way. This is what we mean by detachment parenting. Mm-hmm. You have to get out of the way so that they can develop the skills and be able to do it independently. And right. that begins in these very early, early teenage years. It's a very difficult time for parents and teenagers, mm-hmm. but we have to begin to back out and give them the responsibility. Right. Absolutely. Think of I, car keys. You know, you're going to be handing the car keys at the end of this. Right. So, yeah. So as we wrap this up with the last group, mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, about 16, you know, once they had that independence of a driving right. license and all that until early adulthood, you know, maybe mm-hmm. 18 to 20 or so, they're still living in the home and, you know, right. maybe just starting college. The goal here, the balancing act here is trying to help keep some sense of safety right? while letting them go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, part uh, many parents want to hold on and want to keep them at home. And, you know, we have this whole phenomenon of, of failure to launch and, right. and those kinds of things. But at the same time, they, they need to they need to launch. They need to go. And, and get into the world, get to college, get to get into the workforce and gain that in, not only gain that independence, but exercise that independence. That's right. But they have to be a whole person to be able to do that. That's right. And there is this there's this balancing act between, yeah, you want to keep them safe, but they, you also have to let them do it on their own. Right. If they're going to do any failing, let them do it earlier. Let them do it between 16 and 18 while they're still with you. Okay, that's the time to let them make all these mistakes, because once they hit the age of 18, you're not going to be there anymore. If they get in trouble legally after 18, there's nothing you can do except pay an attorney. They're not going to juvenile and they're going to get support. They're going to an adult legal system that 
you're not going to be involved in except to pay the bills. Okay. Absolutely. So if they're going to make mistakes, time to make them is before 18, before age 18. So I guess the, the, the overall message today is, you know, we have this parenting in two acts. We have the attachment parenting early on. And then by the time they reach middle school or so, we switch to detachment parenting, all with the goal of developing a whole person. That's right. We're dealing with these, these balancing acts throughout the, the child's development. And, and as parents, we have to focus on the balancing act and developing the child holistically, as opposed to just saying, well, your job is to make A's. Your job is to go to school every day and make A's, or your job is to, you know, go to school and, and be a star athlete. You know, if right. you just do those two things, everything will be, you know, if you can't handle your emotions, um, it's not going to matter how good of, a, of an athlete you are, or how good you're doing in school, because you're not going to be able to handle frustration or disappointment or failure or loss or anything right. like that. You, you have to develop the whole person. That's right. And we, we beg parents, don't come unhinged when kids do what you don't want them to do. They are going to do what you don't want them to do, and they are going to fall short on right. occasion. Okay, just plan on that. Oh, just, right. to, just assume that your children are going to be doing things that you don't approve of. Do not come unhinged. Do not reach for the punishment. Path. You know, stay calm because you have... You, you're, if you're going to manage their misbehavior, you have to manage their behavior. Right. And that's where your emphasis should be. You should be working to accomplish these goals. They're going to fall short occasionally. Don't overreact. Don't reach for the control button. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that that is it for today. Mm -hmm. um, we will keep talking about these issues because um, these issues keep coming up. So we'll keep talking about it. And also, they're not getting easier. No. Um, I think you and I are beginning to realize, we're beginning to learn that um, the things are becoming, maybe they're becoming more difficult yeah. as uh, this year for some reason. I don't know whether it's the pandemic or what, but yeah. things, things seem to be, at least teachers and first responders and nurses and people are telling us that it's getting a little bit more difficult yeah. uh, to do all this. So, so but be patient and uh, we'll continue visiting these topics. Uh, absolutely. So until next time. Stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.